Well, Merry Christmas, Mele Kaliki Maka, Feliz Navidad, Maligayong Pasko in all languages. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this Christmas Eve uh, candlelight service. Uh, welcome. And uh, today, I, tonight I understand that we have kids running around and toddlers and babies and we're trying to sit through a service together. And uh, so what I'll do is tonight will really be just a meditation service. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1 and meditate uh, on two things, on the two uh, attributes or the names of Jesus, that he, is, he shall be called Jesus because he will save people from their sins, and secondly, Emmanuel, God with us. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And here we go. Here's our two main meditation points. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name. Here's a second meditation point. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. So, Father, we invite you uh, this Christmas Eve, the eve before, Lord, uh, your birth, and we commemorate this time. And uh, we do ask right now, Lord God, that... Uh, we, we would, through our hearts, Lord, be drawn closer to you by looking at who you are, by looking at two attributes of your name, that we would uh, be changed and would be transformed. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, Christmas is really about giving gifts uh, because it's Jesus' birthday. Uh, this, tonight, I have a gift of a rare uh, video from you, which is exactly 13 years old. Uh, this video is from my oldest son, Judah, who's now 16 years old, and he's about 5'10", 5'11", so he's about 3, 4 inches taller than me. He outweighs me by 10, 20 pounds, and he likes to make the, he likes the fact that he can kind of tower over me, especially when we meet people. and. But, you know, I have this video of him, which I was going to use and I was going to save it for his wedding day as a means of extortion or bribing him. But uh, anyways, this video is from uh, we actually is the day from we, when we shipped our stuff um, in the back of the video. We're about to show it shows our couch and uh, Judah is in our 1997 forerunner there and um He's going to talk about the anticipation 
of singing happy birthday to Jesus. Let's take a look. we can give Jesus? Maybe like, not a forklift. Not a forklift? What do you think Jesus wants? A, not a bike. Not a bike. He wants, he wants. What's a best pre, who is Jesus? Yeah, yeah. This is my heart, yeah. The best gift you can give Jesus is what? Out of the mouth of babes, right? Jesus doesn't want a fire truck, a forklift, or a bike, but Jesus wants our hearts. And, uh, you know, no offense to Judah, uh, but in our text uh, tonight, uh, Jesus wants not only your heart, but he wants your sin. Because sin is the very thing that separates us from having a relationship with God. So let's go to our meditation point number one. Number one is that Jesus, the meaning of Jesus is that he will save people from their sins. Jesus will save people from their sins. Now, if you notice, it doesn't say, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from the penalty of their sins. Because if you grew up, uh, you know, kind of reformed tradition, um, it's all about penal substitutionary atonement, which is great, which simply means that Jesus' uh, death was a death of, of, of he died a vicarious death and he died a substitutionary death and his death was one that accomplished atonement. Yes, absolutely. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The penalty of sin is death, but the free gift of, of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Absolutely. When God saved us, it includes a transaction that Second uh, Corinthians 5.21 says that for the sake, uh, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin to become sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. So in other words, uh, salvation, the fact that Jesus came and when, when he died on the cross, when God saved us, it included a transaction that he was at the cross, he knew no sin, he became sin, he took on our sin and he pays for the penalty of sin, that it includes a transaction. In fact, uh, Hebrews 10, 10 uh, says that for by one sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, he has made perfect for all time those who are being saved. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, that we have been made perfect and that we are clean, clean and we have been cleansed. But salvation may include a transaction, but is more than that. Salvation is about transformation, that God, through Jesus, 
saves us, not just from the penalty of sin or the consequence of sin, but God transforms us so that we have power over sin. How many of you are guilty of texting or talking on the phone while you're driving? I'm guilty of that. In fact, uh, this one time I was on my way to do a, a funeral and I needed to get the address. I just got the address. I copied it and I pasted it and then I put it on my phone dash, my mag magnetic phone dash. How many of you guys have that? I put it on my phone and then all of a sudden I saw a light, a flashing light. It was a police. I got pulled over for holding my phone while driving. I was like, officer, I wasn't texting. I was, I was just mounting my phone because I, I got a ticket before that for um, talking on the phone. And ever since that, I got a Bluetooth. And since I got Bluetooth, I got that ticket. I got a phone mount. But anyways, uh, I got this ticket. And the ticket, I would say, it was like $300. This was about five years ago, five, six years ago. And uh, ever since that, um, I resolved never to get a texting or a phone, talking on the phone while driving or holding my phone. Uh, let me ask you, what good, let, and then, you know, I paid that, but what good is it if I keep, if I pay for my parking, if I pay for that ticket, that violation, but I keep doing it over and over again? Like, I can't help but keep texting or talking while I'm driving. Not only will I get into an accident, but um, I'll go broke. What about if somebody paid, like, uh, let, let's say my dad, he would pay, he loves me so much that he paid for my ticket or my violation, but I do it again, but he paid for it, he pays for it. And each time I do it, he keeps paying for it because it's been paid for. See, when you and I, when we put our faith in Jesus, uh, the angel told Joseph, is like, hey, you're going you're gonna to have a son. He's going to be conceived of a virgin, but you're going to call his name Jesus because he will save people from their sin. Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection not only pays for the penalty of your sin, but the good news is that Jesus saves us from the power of sin. Not that we're sinless, but the frequency of sin becomes less and less and less and less. If I were to, you know, before Christ, before Jesus came, this is like the frequency of sin that we can't stop. When sin comes knocking at the door, we have to open it. But when we put our faith in Jesus, Sin, we still sin, but the mastery, the control, the enslaving power of sin has been broken. So the first thing I want you to meditate tonight is Jesus has saved me from sin. Yes, it includes the penalty of sin that when I die, I don't have to die for my for my sins, I won't be separated from God. But here now, the birth of Jesus includes the kingdom of God, which breaks the power of sin, so I can have victory over sin in my life. 
I still make mistakes, but I still fall. I still miss the mark. But now I have the fruit of the spirit of self-control that I don't have to uh, lose my temper and go crazy on my kids, that I don't have to lose my temper and gossip, that I don't have to, um, you know, lie, that now I have the gift of self-control, Galatians chapter 5, that there, the power of sin is broken. And the, um, and the advent of hope, you guys, didn't start in Matthew chapter 2 or Matthew chapter 1. It didn't even go to, to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is the most quoted by the Gospel of Matthew about the promise of the Messiah, or even in Psalms. But the, the advent of hope and the advent that sin is broken uh, starts not in the prophet, but it starts in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, And I will put an enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And the context of this is God is pronouncing judgment on the serpent because the serpent uh, deceived Eve and the serpent uh, sinned against God. Um, he says to the serpent, God says to the serpent, hey, because you did this, you will um, strike from the woman uh, through her seed, meaning Jesus, you will strike him on the heel. You will bite him on the heel, meaning there's a temporary pain, which is his death. For three days he was uh, in the grave. But it says, you will strike him on the heel, but he will crush your head, meaning the power of sin is broken. So, no offense to Judah, yes, God wants your heart, but the one thing that God wants from you this Christmas is your sin. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We live in the broken world where people are in denial. They're angry. People are fearful. People are self-medicating. People are, are self-destructing because they can't get their soul clean and they can't break the power of sin in their lives, but Jesus can. And He would love to do that for you. And all you gotta do is recognize that you and I, that you're a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. And Jesus, you shall bear a son. You should call His name Jesus because He will save people from their sin. Number two, second point I want us to meditate on is that Jesus is Emmanuel, which is God is with us. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That through the birth of Jesus, this promise that God won't be distant, that he's not absentee, that he's not far, God is with us now through the birth of this child. You ever think about uh, Christmas songs or uh, Christmas carols, specifically Silent Night and Holy Night? All is calm, all is bright, round young virgin, mother and child. Um, you know, from my personal experience, the birth, giving a birth is not a silent night. 
or <laughs> it may not even seem like a holy night. Uh, the birth of a child, it's not silent. There's screaming, there's crying, there's uh, loud uh, encouragement. You remember uh, <laughs> the birth of uh, Noah, uh, our second child, Renee was giving birth and the doctor's like, oh, Renee, just breathe, just breathe. She went from like two centimeters and then it just jumped to like six or eight centimeters. Anyways, uh, the doctor's like, Renee, just breathe. And then I'm like, yeah, baby, it's all right. Just breathe, just breathe. And she looked at me with death stare in her eyes and she says, don't breathe on me. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. So it's not a silent night. Um, and sometimes we might not think it's a holy night, but the birth of Jesus was really a holy night. It was a night where it was separate or unique. Um, the other, another instance that I could think of in the Bible where it was a holy night is in Exodus 3 where God revealed himself to Moses in a burning bush. You guys remember that? That God says, I am holy. And take off your sandals, take off your slippers because what you're standing on is holy ground. Now, holiness usually signifies two things. The first is like absolute uniqueness, like um, other than. God is completely separate and other than. And the second is um, completely pure morally, morally pure. We understand morally pure, but... I don't think we really understand this idea of God is completely holy and He is separate. I think a Bible teacher, Jenny Wilkins, um, illustrates that he's, she said, if you, to understand holiness, he says, if you were to get a sheet of paper and you're to draw right down in the middle, okay, and uh, on your left, you're to put down created and you're to write down everything that was created, you, your personality, your parents, your mom, dad, your car, you know, your car, the mountains, the stars, the sea, uh, laptop, your iPhone, your iPad, lights, cameras, um, everything is created. The freeway, <laughs> trees, everything is created. But if you go uh, to the right side of that and you put down um, uncreated on the sheet of paper, there would literally only be one thing and that would be God. God is uncreated. He is totally unique. He is separate. He is other than. And because God is holy, and He's unique, and He's pure, and He's uh, holy, He cannot just take in sin and compromise His holiness. So to remove the barrier between us and Him, he took care of the sin problem by sending, his G, by sending His only Son, by giving of Himself for you and for me. And because God is holy, all throughout the Bible, people couldn't make contact with God. Moses, in Exodus 3, he couldn't be near the bush. Isaiah, he could see God's robe filling the temple, but... He could not look at God face to face. The nation Israel, 
they wouldn't even go near the mountain of where God was at, in the proximity of where the location of God was at. Uzzah, they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. He simply placed his hand in the Ark and God's wrath was poured out on him in judgment, killing him instantly. He presumed that the dirt or the floor or the ground was cleaner than his own heart and his own hand. And he saw the Ark of the Covenant fall and he touched it and he was killed instantly. The priests, they could only go into God's presence once a year. And even then there was a constant threat of death. So from Genesis to Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, is the story of people not being able to come freely to God because of His holiness and their sin. But the glory of the incarnation is that God Himself, instead of us trying to reach out to Him, God reached out to us. God came down to us and to be near us. So for Jesus to be swaddled, God had to be touched. For the shepherds to praise God for the Savior that was to be born, God had to be seen. The holy, holy, holy God that God, um, that Isaiah saw the vision of God who was seated on the throne, exalted, high above the heavens, high above the earth. He, this same God descended, he taking on human flesh, living with, eating with, speaking with, and touching sinners. That is why he is called Emmanuel, God with us. So please, please don't miss out on this mercy that God has for us, that he would come down and to be with us. God the Son has come near so that we might have direct access to God. Jesus, he will save people from their sins. Emmanuel, God is with us. Let's go ahead and prepare our hearts and let's light our candles.
Well, thank you so much, you guys, for joining us for our Christmas Eve service. Uh, don't forget that uh, tomorrow, Sunday, uh, there's no uh, service online or in person, and the same thing for New Year's Eve, all right? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you peace. Uh, we love you guys. Have an amazing new year.